They need the state and they need stupid politicians who misuse the state power, the monopoly of power of states to realize their ideas. And WHO is setting norms, it's setting the ICD codes. What is a disease? It's you only have a disease when the disease has an ICD code. And like this, they can manipulate the whole society global wide. Greetings. I'm delighted today to be with Wolfgang Wolgdag, who is the author of False Pandemics, Arguments Against the Rule of Fear. Now, some of you may be familiar with uh, Dr. Vodog. We were together in 2021 for our first interview, and we recently met in Austria. Well, I say recently, it's probably several months ago now, uh, at one of our many conferences that we've hosted over the last few years to, in order to try and make sense of what's been happening. And when I first spoke to uh, Wolfgang, this book was only available in German, so I'm delighted to have an English copy here. My German was okay at school, but not enough to, to read the comprehensive nature of a book like this. So uh, I'm glad to have the English copy here. And we'll, of course, be talking about the book, but we'll also talk about the reasons for the book and why this is important and why you published it. And now, you know, in 2023, coming up to 2024 almost now, you know, lots more people are starting to look at the situation and ask questions about what, what happened yes. during the COVID chapter. So if you will, would you mind just telling us a little bit what, what, what was your motivation, firstly, for, for writing this book? Yeah, so in, so in the beginning of, of uh, 2020, I was uh, watching what's going on in China and then because I was rather experienced with the birds flu, the swine flu and all those trials were trying out pandemics by the WHO. I was suspicious from the, from the beginning and I, and then I tried to find out what's going on in China, what's going on in Europe and what's going on worldwide. Uh, is there really something or is it only the test that is spreading or what is what are they doing? And I found out that there is nothing dangerous going on, but there is some theater going on. The theater in, in, in China was very obvious. <laughs> it was like a ballet how they, they tried to disinfect the dirt in the streets. It's so ridiculous. It was really ridiculous what was going on there for me as a specialist for hygiene. So, and, and then I, I looked at all the data, whether someone, when someone's getting ill or not. I, I looked it up in China. I looked it up in, in, in Germany and, and all the monitoring we, we have. There, is, there are monitoring, uh, counting the, the respiratory diseases every week, each week. And so there you can easily see whether they, they get more or not. They didn't get more. <laughs> there, was, there was nothing to be seen. So I said, I have to do something. And I came out and would try to warn the people. And I found out that the whole thing was, was always worsening, that they, they made this lockdown then. And I've, I got really furious about that because it's, it was such a crime to do it. And so I had to take, I, I recognized they want to make, they try to frighten people. They try to frighten people with, with, with all they can. He said, it's dangerous, more dangerous than ever. And you have, you have to, to have no contact with other people and so on. And this is why I wrote the book. I wrote the book and I, to have a, for each person to have a basis to rationally look around what's going on and to understand what's going on and to, to understand also this misleading informations we got from the news and you know, it was for me. It was a new thing that we could not could not relate uh, to to the to different um, sources of news. Normally, they were contradicting sources of news, and you had to find out what you think, what you believe, and what. You, but now they all said the same, and this was unusual for me. 
And so I said, they all, they all say the same lies and they all want to frighten the people. And this is why I published, I wrote my book. And um, I think I, I explain for, for, for lay people, for, for, for everyone, for everyone uh, that, that they can, that you can understand and that you stop being afraid of what you hear in the television and hear in the radio. And this was the motive. And then I, during, during my work on the book, all those things came out with Davos and with the, with the World Economic Forum and uh, with all this, with, with all the, what is behind. It's such, such a grip on our political systems to such a grip on the, on the, of the public money such a corrupt, a big, big corruption t taking place and the corruption of science, which was for me was very astonishing. I knew that science was corrupted already before the pharmaceutical industry always corrupts scientists. They always did it. But this, this amount of, of, of pressure on universities, on institutions, and this was new. And so the, the political, the political, uh, yeah, view on what was going on for me was very interesting too and i wrote about it in my book too because you know i i was 15 years i was politician in the german bundestag and i always was working on health topics and i was also the rapporteur for the german bundestag for everything coming from brussels from the european union when it was about health so i know brussels very well i knew all the discussions about uh, privatizing more and more of the health system of all health systems and of abandoning the idea of uh, of yes sustainability not sustainability but subsidiarity the, the idea of subsidiarity that health is something for the national state and european union has nothing to do with it has to do with the trade and and they try to more and more occupy the health systems in europe and to 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 unify them and to 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 set norms and setting norms is is the leverage with which everything is now. They try to 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 do it uh, by the WHO on a global level now, and this is what uh, the WHO always tried, but it sometimes was ridiculous when they when they just changed the definition of pandemics. This is this this I experienced with the swine flu. It was it was obvious when in in April they suddenly say, "Oh no, people needn't die. It needn't be a serious disease. No, no, just a new virus spreading around the world." And this is how they get the pandemic alarm, just by changing the definition. And so I knew what what how they do it. And I I knew also when they when they changed the the the, the norms of for cholesterol in blood and so and just to 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 have some new patients now. You know, if you change the cholesterol value of, in the blood from 240 to 200 uh, milligram per deciliter, then you then you have more than 80 percent more patients, and that's a, the, you double the market with this trick. And WHO is setting norms; it's setting the ICD codes. What is a disease? It's you only have a disease when the disease has an ICD code, and they made new ICD codes. They made the the post COVID. Uh, ICD, and they define what it is, and I think this is a. It's a very. You have to understand this function of norm setting. And WHO is misusing this extremely for its sponsors, and this is what I what I have experienced ten years ago, and this is what I experience now in an extreme way.
Yes, and this is why you were originally one of our most sought after guests. Actually, we worked very hard to um, get your details so we could get you on the show because this this sadly isn't your first rodeo, and your your combination of political experience, but obviously as a scientist first and foremost, you know, gives you a very um, holistic view on the situation. But 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 you had previously, you know, we, what we found when I first started getting skeptical around this is I actually found some of your original articles and papers and some of the cases that you put forward against previous pandemics. And I thought, I thought, well, this is to me, this, what I read from what you were looking at was happening all over again. It really felt like from what I was examining from the, the hysteria and everything you've just talked about, this kind of how almost like the axioms of the past, the norms of the past were thrown out of the window and redefined. And for people hearing the idea that the definition of the pandemic was redefined you, the reality you can hide something off google and, and google have done a good job of hiding things on their search engine but you can't you can't hide it from the wayback machine so the wayback machine you go on the wayback machine and you can literally look at two different versions of the yes. who's website and you can see them side by side yet despite this fact checkers would publish you know this is false information but it's like you can literally go on the website and see it for yourself so there is no denying it and they you know, they obviously they create narratives around it to try and justify it. But I think this is part of the, you know, I look at it, that's part of the culture of fear making. And you've touched upon three levels, really, the culture of fear, the business and industry of fear, and then the politics of fear. And they're, they're three different levels, I think, that have played out over the course of the last three years. And I think at the, at the heart of it is this paradigm of fear that is that is that predates COVID. And I think yeah. I think in, in your previous work on this, looking at previous pandemics, and I actually made a list of the pandemics that you ref or epidemics that you referenced in your book that you'd examined, and you know it's too too long for us to go through. So it's not, yes. you know, it's it's not like you're looking at this for the first time and right. saying, scratching your head and saying, what's going no. on? You, you you've seen patterns prior to COVID that that seemingly have played out again today. I think this uh, the all those tried to with try outs. Uh, those pandemics, they tried, they tried out. They had different purposes. This was uh, sometimes it was because they wanted to have the field where they can uh, experiment with new drugs, like with Ebola, where they made them, where they made this, they let this outbreak go to have it, to have enough for clinical, to have enough ill people for clinical studies. It was a crime. It was horrible, and so they did with other diseases too. And then they had this one uh, with tummy flu. They had this for selling drugs, for selling, and then selling vaccines, selling vaccines with the swine flu. So this were were always different, uh, different profiteers from from those maneuvers of the WHO. But uh, what what's going on now is it's much more serious because they they try to 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 globalize everything and they mis they misuse our our caring for health, which is a very ser serious thing for everybody. They just occupy this, this care, this idea of caring for our health or for security. They occupy this to dominate the decisions of all nations globally. They want to tell us when we are endangered. They want to tell us what we have to do. They even want to tell us how we can find out that we are endangered, with which test. And like this, they can manipulate the whole society global wide. And this is a, this is a very, this is a very bad story. And what, what they in the same time do, they occupy our dictionaries. 
they gave new meanings to words we are used we used to we used to use. So, for instance, I I, I looked up and, and some days ago I looked up fear mongering what it is, fear mongering, and I I knew that it's something how the pharmaceutical companies how they sell their drugs, they make us afraid to sell their drugs. We have something against what you're afraid of. And this is this was fearmonger. But if you now to look to the Oxford Dictionary, you find another example. You find fearmongering is when somebody says that those vaccines are dangerous. Mm. They just t switch it around and they, they use the good expressions that we are, we are used to use. They just give, give them a new frame. They frame everything new. And like this, they, they frame, they reprogram our brains which is a very, very severe thing and, and very important. And we have to we have to be aware of that to recognize what they are doing with us. So if all those good ideas of protecting the environment, of even of subsidiarity of, 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 of you know, to doing the, the, the easy things at home and, and only when you need something more complicated, when you need help for something more complicated, then, you, then the next level is at stake. So all this, the subsidiarity, they occupied it. They say, yes, it's a good thing. And they use it to install their global systems that you can have at, in Africa and everywhere. You can have this subsidiarity. You can, you can organize yourselves. But they, in the same time, they install control. They have the, the ID 2020 world, want, they want it worldwide. And they want to, to punish us if we don't obey, if we don't do what they think is good for environment, and we see what they think is good for our environment, they sell us nonsense now. They sell us electro cars, which which are such a big, big sin for environment, and and they sell us such machines to to climate our houses, uh, which are which is a real big market, and we know that they will that this will be a disaster. And so they do, they sell us many things, they make monopoles, and they always tell us it's for something good. You will, you will live better when you do that. You have to do it for environment. You have to be solidary. Yeah, there has to be solidarity. If you don't do it, you will be excluded. And they use this, they use all our good ideas. They use just for propaganda for their yeah, for their grip on power and grip on money, on our money. This is what we experience. And you must be very blind not to see it. Or you must look television each day. Then maybe, yes, you are reprogrammed. Yeah, I mean, I described it as the coercive hijacking of the common good. Because, you know, the reality is most humans deep in, within themselves have this desire to do the right thing and yes. that's you know, that's that's good <laughs> that's yes not, that's not, sure. a, not a bad thing but but it's also yeah. the hijacking of community spirit which creates that that sense yes. of solidarity but, but but i think what's different from your investigation in 2009 to to where we are in 2020 20 to 2023 is we kind of reached this because 2009 was also post-banking crisis, so we had this kind of centralization of power around the financial industry at that time as well. We've obviously seen the radical escalation or acceleration, rather, of digital technologies and the proliferation of mobile technologies and social media during that time. Um, it's hard to think back, you know, 10, 15 years ago yeah. and look at, look at, you know, the early stages of social media and just how widespread it's become now. So we've got this kind of almost peak of globalization and centralization 
at the same time as the peak of mobile technologies, at the same time as kind of a peak understanding of behavioral science and using um, behavioral techniques in conjunction with things like big data, which have become available since the emergence of the web and, and digital technologies. So all of the mechanisms were in place to really capitalize on this situation. And we created a small documentary in September 2020, which kind of laid out what we thought would happen. And lo and behold, almost everything that we set out in September 20 has played out. And we also had some of the early documentation around how the vaccine manufacturers or Big Pharma were going to communicate about how the vaccines were going to roll out. And we were shocked at the manipulation that was going to be used. And yes. it was all of the things we touched upon and more around the common good, protecting others, doing the right, like the language of doing the right thing became a thing. Mm -hmm. So you're right, the language, the manipulation, but ultimately, at the core of it, what's what's the same as 2009 is the drive to, of commercial interests and kind of amalgamation of powers, which we see after the advent of any uh, the, or, or the, um, the the um, uh, the the the, the uh, any any crisis. You know, so we see this whether it's we've just had 9/11. You know, we saw all kinds of security protocols rolled out again, centralization of power, and it's. You know, Naomi Klein has written about this, about how you know this crisis culture is just enabling commercial interests and centralization of power, and it's 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 yeah. it's, it's it's kind of run away on steroids during the course of COVID. Yes, and in my book, I I try to to speak about all this, and I also tried how to how we can avoid to be victims of of this development, and um, I think there is something we have to we have to do the opposite of globalization which is important because what they try to do is to occupy communication. Communication is not only speaking or not only the media, it's also the money. Money is a way of communicating. And we need it for, for exchanging our, our possibilities, our goods. And so we, this is a, a means of communication. And they also won't have the grip on it. And they misuse it and they give it new meaning. And they try to monopolize the meaning of money and uh, we have to we have to go one step back i think because you know this whether you can whether you can live somewhere and be be calm and rely on the structures you live in depends a lot on on transparency that you can understand what people do whom you entrusted something you cannot do yourself so we have we, we live in a society where we need so many specialized people who know better in many things because there are so many technical possibilities we can improve our life with. So we need specialists and we always entrust something what we need to specialists. But the problem is that we have to understand and to see in time when they misuse our trust for some secondary interests. And this corruption, this is what is now growing, has grown very fast in the last three years. It is not a corruption of single persons. It is an institutional corruption. They take over our institutions, our law, our, our courts. They take over the, the science, the institutes. They take over the administration. They take over the governments. They have the global young leader put in all. They are proud that they, they took it over. They send their people to all governments. And they had the ministers and they had the, the bosses of governments in many, many countries. This is what Mr. Schwab is, is boosting himself. Is he's, he said, yes, we succeeded to put them everywhere. So, and, and they did. 
and they did they prepared this for many years and we we didn't think someone could be so evil just to just to cheat us we us believing in democracy in equal all different all equal we have equal rights for everyone there's no dictatorship there's no would never be allowed nobody would have said yes this is a quite good thing if there is some totalitarian system and 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 he which can control us all and and regulate everything no we have never thought that they succeeded with many people with the, even with the majority in some countries to to get their ideas into the heads of the people by misusing or by misusing the media and just transporting their propaganda and this is very we have to learn that it's so easy to do this we have to find out what we can how we can have the new society if we want which is which is able to see this in time and to say no 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 you're on the wrong way we don't allow this so and i think this has to do with with that we understand with the system we live in this has to do with transparency that has to be if we entrust something there has to be they they are yeah they are responsible to tell us what they do with this with the with the with the power we gave them and we have to insist that we want to know so we have to to work a lot more to to be um, yeah to find out in time when someone is uh, doing the wrong things with our power and uh, this has to has to do with the size of a society so many things can be done in small societies so the care for old people the care for children the education of children the security in our towns this is all things where the state has nothing to do you don't even need a nation for that you need the regional people who organize and they they must have the money for it so in scandinavia they have for instance they take 60% of the taxes are local taxes and the, the communities take the taxes and they 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 supply the people with what they need and i think this is a very good way if you if you decentralize the tax system if you decentralize the responsibility for deciding about education about care about primary health care with doctors and with nurses working together in the region and with all this you can you can have i think we we just think it everything is getting better when it's getting bigger and this yes. is wrong because yeah. it's getting intransparent when it's getting bigger yes it's, there's, it's a, there's a brilliant book called small is beautiful and it kind of um <laughs> and there's there's some brilliant That's... there's some brilliant business books have written about kind of boutique businesses and you know there is a, there is a joy and love of the kind of independent retail with small shops and you know it really offers kind of and what you're touching on now is really part of the solution but i think what well a big part of the solution to me decentralization localization and levels of subsidiarity which you've touched upon you know which simply we, to, to, you know we have to try out we don't know how exactly to do this yes, but we right. have to have the freedom in our regions to do it differently and to exchange experience and to publish and to and to struggle our way is the best no our way is better doesn't matter we can do it differently and we have to have a transparent system of exchange of knowledge about this well the transparency part is a major component as well because so much is cloak and dagger it's 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 out out of sight out of mind and and it comes back it comes back to the global nature of a lot of the the uh, kind of 
I mean, agendas make it, you know, the word agenda is triggering, but it's, it, the reality is we are facing a number of agendas and there's the C40 Cities Coalition, which is driving this kind of ULES, which we're experiencing in the UK, with kind of 15-minute cities and driving, you know, vehicles off the road. And it's not to say that we don't have a problem with pollution and, you know, the, the climate situation is, there's got yeah. met, many parallels with, with COVID, which... I know for some people it's triggering because you know they're they're deeply passionate about the environment. But you'll notice with climate, they don't um, talk they don't talk about environment. They don't talk about na- nature yeah. or pollution. It, it's all about control once again. And it's this. I have, I have nothing against fifty minutes cities if there are no more than five thousand inhabitants. Well, well, yeah, but also the fact that you know the the the, the local in that the local. Um, governance structure doesn't say you can't go from street a to street b and you have to go via this road you know it's it's the it's the kind of technocratic author, authoritarian yeah. you know it, because the good this, thing is the good thing there is that they need soldiers and policemen to force us to do to, to obey them yes. and soldiers and and policemen they want a good life too they 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 want to live free and as in a democracy too and so they need the states to pressure the people, to make pressure on the people to follow their stupid ideas. They need the state and they need stupid politicians who misuse the state power, the monopoly of power of states to realize their ideas. And this, because we have elections still and we can still choose our politicians, our representatives in, in parliaments and in, in public, we just have to to stand for it. We have to say, no, we don't want such people who do such things. We want to control you. And if we vote for you, our representative, you have to tell us each week, you have to tell us what you do and why you do it. And we want to follow what you do. And we want to control it because you have our power and you are you're using our power and we have to we have to be proud of, of that we are the ones who, who have the power, the legitimate power. And those other ones who try to, to just take it away, to steal our power for their private interests. It's so yeah. tricky. Yeah, it's tricky because once on one hand, you know, we've had politicians and authorities who are kind of micromanaging our lives. So we don't in my view, I don't want it to flip the other way that the public are then micromanaging the politicians. I mean, it, might, it feels like that right now because, you know, but, but really we want a shift in values and a shift in culture so that y- you can have trusted representatives. But right now, I think that there's almost like a belief system in many economies or, 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 or territories that we just change the color of the flag of the, of the party that's in charge and all will be well. But of course, that won't, no. The, global, the global and centralized interests will still no, no. continue. They'll, they'll still get lobbied. Yes. yes. And, it, yes. And, and there are some strength. There are some characters coming forward that I think have the fortitude and understanding of that mechanisms. You know, we've got Robert Kennedy Jr. in the, U- in the U.S., regardless of what people think about him. He's clearly fighting that uh, technocracy in a way. Um, but really, it's one nation and it's a pretty powerful nation. But, 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 but if, to me, it feels like we need a political counterculture in the major economies yeah. i tell you i tell you one thing they made they played a big big trick when they allowed democracy those kings and all those people who, who said yes now there is democracy when they when they just took a step back and they let us play democracy 
they established parties. They, they were very happy that there were parties. And your party is something where the single politicians is no longer responsible because the party takes over what is to be done. And the party is in between the people and the government. And uh, this makes the whole thing completely intransparent. And, and it's, also the, it's also a big, big field of corruption. You know, the lobby, the lobby, this is those people going for your interests if you can pay. Lobby is always someone who is, has money now, the professional lobby, I mean. It's not when the people go to the politicians and lobby for themselves. No, no. I mean the industry, lobby industry with psychologues, with, with thousands of psychologues, sociologues and statistics. And they, you can really, they, and if you can pay them, they go to the politicians. The politicians are overwhelmed. They just, they just, they don't, they, they obey. And if, if we, if we leave away the party and if the lobbyist has to come to the con constituency in public sessions and speak to the parliamentarian, the representative of this constituency in, in, in all the audience can listen what they say. And if there is something, some reason to, to do what this lobbyist wants, they can understand it, all of them. And the politician can do it, can help him. And so, but we have to forbid professional lobbying who is only, we could, that can only work for, for, for big, big money interests. This is not fair. This is just uh, not, not it's, uh, against democracy. <laughs> we are not all equal then, although we all have the same rights. We are not all equal when you have professional lobbyists. Only well, those who yeah. Yes. And this, yeah. this such, such systematic things, we have to, to go them through and to have to find, find out what we do. And I think we should have a, we should have a change in the parliamentarism. We should have a change which is abolishing parties, which is, does, not, does not take parties anymore. And I, I tell the people now in Germany, if, you, if there is the next uh, election in Germany, ask this party where you, where you have the, to choose a party still, because our laws are like that. If you ask the party, are you, are you uh, ready to prepare a system for only for direct candidates? No more list of parties. Would you do this? Then I give you my vote. And so we have to insist that the, our representatives tell us what they do for us. And you know, when you have, when you have such a system and each constituency has its representative in parliament, you don't need to have elections in the whole nation in the same time. They can recall when they don't trust their representative anymore. They can say, no, no, you have a new election and they can send a new one. And this would make an exchange in Parliament, a continuous exchange of representatives. There will be no fraction, no group, political group. And they will have to find each other, those people with the same ideas. And, the, and, they, and if they want to promote something, they can do it. And they have to report at home why they do it. So I, I, have, I have a very... Yes, I have a dream, you see? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I share a dream as well. I mean, I, I've, I've put a great deal of thought into political transformation. I really have. And it's, it's so tricky, even with a direct form of democracy. And, you know, I, I think we, we, there's almost like a rose-tinted view on democracy on the basis that 
if you look at its origin, you know, but, but even if you go to trace back to its origins in Greece, it's, it's like the oligarchy yeah. <laughs> had demo- democracy. So, you know, what kind of democracy is that? Um, and of course, things yeah. have changed since then. But even in my house, like I, I thought, you know, even if I was to assess the needs of my street, the needs would be so different across our street. But even down to my household, my wife yeah. and I, my son, we've yeah. all got different needs. So to try and take a level of subsidiarity, localization, as well as looking at the aggregates. But I think fundamentally, it's about really thinking about, to me, politics should be about enabling human flourishing. It should be about in providing, helping to provide the conditions for people to live a good life, you know, if, if, if I was to get philosophical on it, philosophical on it. And, and that then looks at some of the central components that affect us all, education and healthcare and, and all the various elements that create um, a, a healthy community uh, um, and the environment. But, but these aren't, it doesn't feel like that ever is the priority of a nation state. It's, it feels, it, it's, it's feels like we just need a total flip upside down of the whole model, let alone the mechanics of it. But go back to first principles and say, what is the purpose? Because <laughs> it's, there's no surprise to see there's a rise in anarchism, kind of agorism as well. People looking saying we want to strip away the nation state altogether. And I understand that sentiment. But if you've got nothing else to replace it with, well, you'll probably get more of the same as we've seen when, when, you know, when great dictators get toppled, it doesn't necessarily lead to better outcomes. You know, it's, but it is, I think this is a time, as you touched upon earlier, a time for great experimentation and that's informed experimentation. You know, entrepreneurship and innovation is, is taking calculated bets on future outcomes. Um, so I do think this is the time for change, but there's, there's, there's a good knowledge about, uh, I think it, it was Professor Werner who did it. Uh, he made an analysis of, uh, of the, how many banks are in a region, how many local banks do you have? And he found out that, that there is a relation between the number of banks and the productivity of a region. Mm-hmm. The smaller the banks and the closer they are to the entrepreneurs, the, the higher the productivity. And when you, when you monopolize the banks, when you have only big banks, they don't know what is done with the money anymore. They cannot follow the, what is the productivity. They cannot know whether they should invest or not. They don't know what is done with the money. It's just speculation. And so the money as a means of communication also has to be locally, uh, has, there has to be local responsibilities for it and you have to, and transparency with it. And you entrust money if you if you lend money, and you have to find out what is done with the money. So next time you can say no. So all, all this this is the money, but it's it's with many things. It's the same thing with quality and care. Now, if you have a big care uh, enterprise, you you buy some institutions to certif to to make a certification that you have good quality. So you buy you buy specialists. And they come and they get paid that you get such a paper that you have good quality, which is doesn't say anything for the people. And uh, so it's a, it costs a lot of money. We have 25% of, of mistrust investment in, yes. in, in care, for instance. And yeah. it's, it's, it's not productive at all. So we, can, we, we could do it really better. And uh, I think people can can learn this. We can. We have to speak about it. We have to make many wow. many sessions and, and and have to try and we have to visit those people who try out. Yes, I, I mean I think many of the answers are out there. I've just watched it. I've mentioned it on several podcasts because it's captivated me so much. There's a there's a documentary on Netflix at the minute which looks at the blue zones around the world, which is 
A blue zone is, is a term that's used to describe a, 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 a location where there's a high degree of concentration of centenarians, people who have reached mm-hmm. 100 years plus. And they mm-hmm. look at the habits, the environment, the nutrition, and all the different patterns that, that comprise. And no surprises, there are things there yes. that you can ob- materially observe. So yes. it's not, it's not, in many cases, it's not like we have to completely start with a blank piece of paper because there are answers already out there. And there are also localized solutions that are starting to uh, grow from the grassroots that we can learn from yeah. and share. But, but, but it's almost like we've been entwined into the mentality of one size fits all and centralized because people are looking for like the, the thing that they can take from over here and copy it. And I, I think there is modeling and looking at principles and, and methodologies. But the mm-hmm. whole point of localization is to say, well, it might work for you there, but our culture is very different. We need to adapt it. And that's, and I was talking to an expert in um, a guy called Ian Banyard, who does a, a lot of work around nature connection. And he was explaining how an oak tree always looks like an oak tree, but where the acorn falls determines how the oak tree grows because the soil quality might be different, the environment, the weather climate might yes. be different. So sure. even though it looks like an oak tree, it will be radically different to, it could be radically different from the oak tree that it came from. And I yeah. think that's the thing about localization is you adapt to the local circumstances rather yes. than try and find the globalized ones, because that's what we're facing right now is the homogeneity of everything, which to me is like the ultimate dystopia of, of one size fits all politics, one size fits all culture. It's... You know, we, we have experienced such a thing that uh, there is something good, like the, the Christian model, you know, like Jesus gave us a model with love. And there was this church using this model to dominate the whole world. To the, what came out was the opposite of what Jesus wanted to tell. <laughs> yes. They just use it for power, misuse it for. This is what they always do, and this is what they do now again. They they give ourselves all the nice things. What we all agree of for environment, we all agree that there should no discrimination at all. We all know it, and they misuse this to discriminate you if you don't take their shots. Yes. Yes, or conform to whatever viewpoint or current ideology is the, the, the go-to. It's, so I want to take a back step a little bit because I'm, for, for, there's, there's, I think there's going to be two types of people who are watching this. There's, well, there's multiple types of people, obviously, but there's two categories of people maybe watching this who have looked at what's happened during COVID, they think this doesn't make sense to me. And, and your book really, you know, it really does lay out a lot of the, the uh, you know, chapter by chapter, it, it lays out the problem. So if you're skeptical yeah. about, if you're skeptical about the idea that, that, that you know, because we've, we've jumped straight into corporate interests, but this, this lays out everything, you know, the history of pandemics, the testing, um, and, and the various steps that kind of led to with the evidence of, of, of what we face. So so for a lot of people who are kind of, they've looked at what's happened in the last couple of years and we've jumped straight to the corporate interest. There's a lot of steps obviously in between there. So for the people who are skeptical about, you know, particularly those who have lost loved ones during the last couple of years, or, you know, they haven't, yes. you know, they, they've, they've, they, they, they've, you know, believed the stories they've seen on the newspapers, et cetera. What's, what's your message to them who are just starting to, to say, well, maybe there wasn't something right. What's, what would be your message to the people who, perhaps I haven't yet really looked at some of these things that we touched on today. You know, I'm, I'm afraid with all those people a little bit who got the shot, who got several shots. I'm, I, I pity many people who, and I know many people who regret it now, who are victims of propaganda 
or who are forced to, to take the shot because they need to work and earn money for their families. And uh, they, I know that the shots, if they, if they really, we don't know in what was in the sh in all shots because there were different contents in the in the vials, and this was not a constant thing. So many people have good luck, and uh, others have bad luck. And if you get it, if you get the shot, if you're a strong person with big muscles and so, and you get the shot without aspiring, you would get it into your veins. It's horrible. You will make a, have immediately a heart failure or myocarditis or something like that. And such cases happen. It's a very, very sad thing. They are victims of lies, those people. And we have to help their families and we have to help those people who are paralyzed now who have neurological dis disorders. And, you know, there are some, we know that the, that the, that the, the spike protein, if it's, if it's presented in our endothelia of the capillaria or of the low pressure system everywhere in the body, there is time enough to go into the, the endothelia and then spike protein is presented and our immune system is just destroying those cells we need in our in the inside of our blood vessels and there will be clots and there will be damage and it's going directly into the brain one-fifth of the blood is pumped into the brain from by our by our heart and um, so there is there is a lot of people suffering now and there are many people now who tell yes we can help you i can sell you this i can sell you that and I, as a doctor, you know, as a, as a specialist for internal medicine and pneumonology or, or, lung, or lung diseases, I know that, and I, I work for transparency, and I was, I was very much aware of, of the science who was, uh, was bought by the industry. And this trick that you, can, that you can tell people, yes, if you buy my drug, this will cure you. It, it has stayed the same. But it's very difficult now for those people who suffer from the injections to find out what is really what is really helping, or what could improve their health, and what could stabilize their health. What what's and one thing is very clear that everything you you everything you use in your body, when you use your brain, when you use your muscles, when you use when you move, when you walk, when you talk with people, this strengthens you. It helps you, and if your social context it stabilizes you, you need you need activity. To, to stay healthy. This is true. This is always true. This is still true. And uh, with damages in our tissue, we know that our body is able to repair a lot. But if brain cells, some brain cells are destroyed, they won't grow. I myself, I had a stroke, you know. I had a stroke. I was, I was semi-paralyzed and I, I worked all day to train and to improve my possibilities so that I could participate in daily life again as I did before. And it took me for some years. And it, you know you can, if you train, you can repair a lot or you can, uh, how do you say, instead of the old rotten cells, you can activate those ones who are there that they gave more, give more output. So you can do something for your health by being active. And um, there are some drugs and they tell us those drugs they help. We have to know. We have to find out exactly in which in which uh, step of of this process of our body is changed by the by the vials. In 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 which step it is useful to take this drug or that drug. It is so. Sometimes it's a very short time slot. And if a drug is good, 
and one, one week after, maybe one month after, it is dangerous already. So this knowledge, we have to, we have to try to find out and we have to be honest while we are discussing it. Yes. And I, this, I, is not, I, this is not, uh, you know, we, many people want to earn money now. Well, and with, with, yes, and still. Yes, yeah, we have to be aware of the commercial interest. But I think what was beautiful during the early stages of the kind of um, pandemic, you had people like Dr. Pierre Corey and other doctors like yourself and doctors around the world looking at early treatment and intervention. And that knowledge began to circulate and share and be cross-checked and cross-referenced and ratified. And that was a, that was a wonderful experience that's now come to a period, yeah. I would say, of, of some form of consolidation. Um, it still needs to go through a period of kind of normalization in the sense that it gets mass mass adoption and, and uh, acceptance uh, before adoption acceptance at the very least but i think the same is will begin to happen now with with the in the same way that there's been a consolidation of evidence around the the implications of the shots and a lot of the evidence is begin to be shared and and consolidated and i it's my hope that the treatments and protocols because you're absolutely right it's the same the same is true of the treatment of covid is that as many of the doctors have shared, it's, it's the stages following the initial diagnosis that, 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 that depends yeah. on what protocols you follow. And no doubt it's the same for, or similar for, for, for post-vaccination. But if you, if you see the, how the doctors are rewarded when they use the ICDs, WHO made, yeah. there, are, there is this post-COVID ICDs. And there you can have, you can have post-COVID, long COVID, long COVID, also, when you had when you had once had a positive PCR test, and afterwards you got ill, and then you, if the doctor writes down post COVID, whether you are vaccinated, whether you got the shot or not, they don't even mention it. And even the scientific when I saw scientific work from a multi center study with many people who were who were who had a positive PCR test. And they got they had a brain damage, and they tried to find out uh, how much what you can do and and how much brain damage there was depending on on the time of of, of the of the interventions and so on. They tried out to, to distinguish this, and they tried out to predict who will be damaged more by long COVID. And in the whole work, in the whole scientific world, all those professors, they didn't mention once whether those patients were vac so-called vaccinated or not, which is the same damage by the spikes. They are, more they are more dangerous when they come as spikes from your own body inside as if they come somewhere on your mucosa from outside from some virus. And then, it's, then we don't even, I, I don't believe there was a danger, more dangerous virus than all the other years. I don't believe it. I very well know they constructed dangerous viruses as they construct dangerous weapons somewhere in the world in several places. And there is a very good work now. They find and some Japanese scientists, they found out that uh, there, there was that even the new variants cannot be uh, explained by what's possible in nature. The new variants are from the uh, are, are also made artificially. And when you see this, this tree of Wuhan and then this, this many variants spreading, it's such a nonsense. The, the virus is, is always changing from every 
origin, not only from Wuhan. In London, too, there was in 2000, there was a, a, some coronavirus which was changing and changing. You could make the same tree from London, from, from Berlin and from Amsterdam. It is such a nonsense, it's such a narrative they, they, they try to impose, they try to put into our brains. And um, I think we, we can just forget viro virology. And we don't need to be afraid of dangerous viruses, which is so important because they have no chance in nature, a virus that kills the host. Well, it needs the host to survive. Yes, Yes. And this we yeah. know many, many, every, each one in, who, who was working with epidemiology, who's working with, with hygiene, they all learned it. <laughs> They've forgotten it. <laughs> so we, don't be afraid of viruses from some lab. They try to earn money with it. They try to frighten us. And then they make some test which is positive as, as, as often as possible. And they say, yeah, so well, this is, this is it. Do you, I, I, this is the difficult thing for me because I, what I've said throughout this is it feels like there's, you know, the old story of the boy cried wolf in the sense that it says <laughs> wolf, wolf, wolf over here. There's no wolf, 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 no wolf. And then finally says wolf, wolf, wolf. And there is a wolf yeah. and no one, pay, no one takes it seriously. My concern with all of this is that if there, if there was something in the future now that was of, because something that's man-made doesn't have the same need to survive as something that evolves naturally from nature. Um, you know, this is where the terms like bioweapon come from because it's it's built for a different purpose. So, if yeah. something was to be manifested or es escaped or de purposely deployed, my concern would be that people wouldn't be ready for it because, I mean, well, we, the, I think the majority of people would, as we've seen with COVID. It's it's very easy to create a machine, a media machine, but the skepticism, I think is now left to such a loss of trust in institutions, such a, lo such a loss of trust in expertise, is now that even loss of trust in oneself. You know, people are really now looking, you know, and to your point around some of the, 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 the solutions to the vaccine in injuries and, and the, the new corporate interests that are coming from smaller companies, the startups. But it's not to say that, you know, there shouldn't be a commercialization of it, but it's, it's, it's the corporatization of it and the manipulation of it that becomes problematic. So... Yes. You know, how we restore trust, it, to me, is, is, the, the, is one of the big problems is to solve beyond this, because it's uncomfortable living in a world of low trust. And, uh, you know, for communities to thrive, we need trust. For localization to succeed, we need trust. Um, it, has to be, it has to be rightful trust and not hope. Mm. We don't, don't mix up hope and trust. You hope that nothing serious will happen. This is one thing. This is not trust. Trust has to be rightful. This has to, there has to be transparency when you want to have rightful trust. You have to know what is going on when you want to trust. You want to, at least you have the chance to look what they do. To, to, and then if you, if you have the possibility to find out what they do, they know it and they won't do bad things because you can enter their laboratory anytime. And you can find out what they do. So the condition of trust is transparency. And um, this is when you, you can hide everything when you say it's a military thing. You can do everything and you can tell people whatever. We have the most dangerous weapons, rockets, atom bombs. And you can tell them everything because it's secret. Nobody yes. is allowed to go into. And this is what they are misusing. This is why the 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 the, the 
Department of Defense in U.S. is financing the new the new vaccines you have to spray in your nose. Only this, and it will be it will be also some some uh, RNAs you spray in the nose of children. Then they try it out in Seattle. They gave money for it, and this, you know, they. I think we we have to take away there this this power. They have to take away the money from those institutions. And this has, this has to be done by the people of the United States. This has to be done by the people in Europe. We have to say, no, you don't get our money for that. No, we don't vote for politicians who give money for that. And we want yes. to change the system. Yes, and that's where it comes back to people-orientated power. And, you know, we regularly hear that, you know, the people have the power. And hypothetically, we do. <laughs> hypothetically, we do. But... In the same way that we've seen this centralization, accumulation of power, we've also seen the relinquishment of power at the local level. In the UK, less than somewhere between one and two percent of the UK population are actually members of a political party. You know, the voting numbers are consistently moderate to low. Yes. So whilst these big businesses can lobby the politicians, if you're not a member of a party, you don't need. And, and this comes back to the bigger discussion we had earlier on, but. Join all the parties, you know, just t tell the same story. You know, at least you have to, and, and I know what people are saying, we need to transform the system. I agree, like I'm an advocate for that. But whilst we currently have this, just leaving all the conversation on the table to the lobbyists and not putting our own voice in there is only going to end in one result. It's going to be, we, are, we, we will be the voiceless. So in the meantime, yes. my view is we have to make our voices heard across the political paradigm to do exactly what you've just described and say enough's enough. We're not supporting this anymore. We want a new era of transparency and accountability and ultimately trace the history of politics before it became a big machine. It was about serving the interests of the local communities. And that's that's where we need to return, I, I believe. And, and, it, and it's so easy now for local communities to network. We can learn from each other. We have the Internet. We can we can decentralize. Nevertheless, we can be connected. Indeed. Yes, I, I agree. Wolfgang, we're out of time. This has been a wonderful conversation where we've kind of covered a lot of ground of some of the problems and the, and the centralization and looked at a lot of the, some ideas around the solutions. I think these conversations around the solutions are vital. And, and, and talking about centralization and, this, and, and how this has arisen uh, is so important because a lot of people see the surface level problems with the COVID response. They can see the collateral damage. They can see the harm that's been done by policy but they haven't yet necessarily seen the, me the mechanics that's led to that. And I think that's the conversation that we've had today that's important to help people understand that this yeah. kind of globalized centralization of power, I think it has probably reached its peak or, or close to its peak. It's certainly still trying to build momentum, but at the same time as that grows, the resistance is, is, is also uh, rising. So I think this is where now, as we turn to the conversation around decentralization and localization, people-led solutions, community-led solutions, that's where the inspiration can follow and the creativity can follow. Firstly, around the COVID-related problems, certainly, but then more broadly around all the areas that influence our lives. I think that's, that's, that's the message of hope that I would like to offer, at least. I think it's, a, in my book, I made something like a red, red line or red file or what is it, a guideline through the through the possible developments and through the to, to understand what is possible to understand why things happen that have we see now so i it's a good thing you put your legs up and you read it chapter by chapter 
and then you will have lots of ideas. You will have lots of, you will may improve my ideas, but I, I put them all, I, I offer them all in my book. And I have so much, I experienced so much and I'm dealing so long with entrusting, with corruption, with, with all, with politics, with political system, with a biological system, with, it, with, with viruses, with, as a lung doctor and as a, as a, I was director of a public health institution also. So I, I know all this, all those, all those problems we're facing now, and I try to make a, to make something out of it that you can, that you can understand and get to get some orientation. That you lose your fear, and then you start thinking, what can we do now? <laughs> Indeed, thank you. And where's where's your preferred place to send people to get a copy of the book now? It's available at major bookstores. It's also on Amazon. But is there a, is there somewhere you'd prefer to send people to get a copy yes, of this? You you can you can have a there is an there is an uh, in a web address it is falsepandemics.com it's in one word or with a hyphen doesn't matter falsepandemics plural falsepandemics.com there you can find where you can get it perfect we'll put the links in the notes uh, great to see you again what a fascinating conversation keep up the good work and uh, you're one of the, you're one of the other you know the amount of people I've known over the last couple of years who, who seemingly get more energized and more younger the the, the further we go into this. You know? <laughs> so great great to see you looking so vibrant and bringing your energy with us today. So thank you so much and uh, keep up the great work. And uh, I look forward to our next conversation to see how things are evolved uh, in the future. So thanks again for being with us here on the Pandemic Podcast. Thank thank you for this possibility to speak again with you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.